Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you very much, Vanessa, for reading for us. It's very good to be here. Please keep your Bibles open there at Mark chapter 7, page 1010. And you should also find uh, tucked into the bundle you received on the way in this handout um, as well, which will just show you where we're going over the next few minutes. Well, as we look at God's word, it's always right for us to pray, isn't it? So let me lead us as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word, which we've just heard read. Thank you that you have spoken and you speak still through the scriptures today. And we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to understand these words and what you have to say to us this morning. Show us the truth about ourselves. Show us the glory of Jesus. And move each of us here in this room to respond rightly to him today and for the rest of our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few years ago, my sister-in-law, Michelle, who's a doctor, was going through her medical exams. Uh, I know there are a number here who have done medical exams, so maybe you'll uh, relate to this. One of her exams was a group exercise. So she was in a room with a, a group of Um, other medical students, and an examiner was observing them. And they were given a piece of paper with a medical scenario on it. It had all the details of this patient and their ailments, and they had to decide together how they should proceed in treating uh, this fictional patient. And all the time, the examiner was there, observing their conversation, trying to figure out whether they had understood the issue and would respond rightly. But just as their time was up, one of them picked up the piece of paper and to their horror felt this sinking feeling as they realized there was writing on the other side of the page. They hadn't turned over the piece of paper, so they'd only been working with half of the information they needed and so they had completely misunderstood the situation and mishandled the scenario. They thought they had understood the test, but then everything was thrown in the air and with no time left to correct their mistake, they all failed the exam. If someone doesn't understand a test, they're not going to pass it. Jesus wants us to understand very clearly what it takes to win his favor. Last week, we began looking at a new series in Mark's gospel. And in the first half of chapter 7, we saw there that Jesus exposes that the religious leaders of his day hadn't understood the test and weren't going to pass it. They'd been confidently living their whole lives on a false understanding of what God wanted from them. And so from their perspective, what Jesus said there threw the rules of religion up in the air. 
And when the rules change, so does the outcome. It's like turning over the page and realizing you'd never understood what was required of you in the first place. In the first half of Mark 7, we saw there the mistaken mindset of all religions, which is that we win salvation by doing good things and avoiding bad things. It's the same with every religion. You can look into it. Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism, even Buddhism that doesn't believe in a, a, a personal God. All of these religions say, do the right things, avoid the bad things, and you'll get salvation. And that was uh, the true for the Jews in Jesus' day as well. We saw how the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were obsessed with what the disciples were doing with their hands. Take a look down at verse 2. In verse 2, the Pharisees gathered and, set, and it says they saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is unwashed. And so, look down at verse 5. The Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? They, along with all other religions, thought you would win God's favor by what you do, symbolized by the hands. Do this, do that, avoid this, avoid that, and cha-ching, you'll get God's favor. But Jesus explained that he isn't interested in what we do with our hands, apart from insofar as it tells us something about the condition of our hearts. Do you see that there in verse 6? That quote in verse 6. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Therefore, they worship me in vain. And so Jesus came along and he, in effect, turned over the piece of paper and said, look, you've been getting it completely wrong. My interest isn't in the external works of your hands, but in the internal condition of your heart. Look down at verse 15. Jesus said, nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. At this point, the issue being discussed is food laws, but Jesus' point is far bigger than just about food. It's that nothing external to you can make you unclean. It's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And so do you see how this throws all the rules of religion in the air? It's an earthquake for religious thinking. Receiving God's favor isn't affected positively or negatively by our behavior or qualifications. Rather, he says, all people are unclean, but because of the condition of their hearts towards God. Verse 20, he went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean, for from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, the list goes on. For some, this news should bring a sinking feeling. Because for anyone who's been confidently thinking God favors them because of their church attendance or because of their Bible knowledge or financial giving or past service to the church, whatever it is, this pulls the rug out from under their feet. Do you see that? And what's more, it raises this question, the question which, which our passage this morning addresses. If this is the case, who then receives Jesus' favor? If external impressiveness doesn't win his favor, what does? Who does? Who are the winners? This account we're looking at this morning of the Syrophoenician woman gives us our answer, and it's this. Jesus favors anyone who comes to him in humble faith. Let's take a look together. Jesus has just said that he isn't interested 
Uh, he's interested not in our hands, but in our hearts. Of course, he does care how we behave, but only insofar as it reveals something about the condition of our hearts. What Jesus absolutely doesn't care about, though, is external things that are quite incidental to and reveal nothing about the condition of our hearts. So Jesus doesn't care if someone's a man or a woman. That shows you nothing about the condition of their hearts towards God. He doesn't care about someone's nationality or the place of their birth or the color of their skin. That tells you nothing about their heart. He doesn't care about someone's intelligence or the level of their education, how well-dressed they are or good-looking. He doesn't care about someone's standing or perceived importance in society. He doesn't care about their wealth or lack of it. None of those things show you anything at all about the condition of someone's heart. Now, Jesus has said those things don't make a person unclean. But now he shows it by deliberately crossing into a foreign Gentile region which the Jews would have considered unclean. Look down at verse 24. Verse 24, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. The Jews considered the Gentiles, who were all non-Jews, to be unclean, but not Jesus. He goes there to the vicinity of Tyre into Gentile territory, and then he's met by someone who, according to Jesus' thinking, uh, Jews, the Jews' thinking, I beg your pardon, would have been considered unclean on almost every conceivable scale. Look down at verse 24 again. It continues, He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about it, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born Assyrian, in Syrian Phoenicia. Mark here really rubs our noses in how unclean she was from a Jewish point of view. First of all, she's a woman, which means that she would have been looked down on by others in her society. She was a Greek, which probably means that she was of a pagan religion. Mark emphasizes she's, she's a Gentile. Not only does she live in Gentile territory, but he says she was born in Syrian Phoenicia, so definitely a Gentile. But to really underline it, Mark tells us she had a little daughter who is possessed by an evil spirit. Or as the footnote makes clearer, an unclean spirit. This woman would have had contact with her daughter and so would have been thought unclean by association. And this unclean spirit within her daughter points to an uncleanness that is through and through, inside and out. So this woman, she was a Greek, pagan, Gentile woman, from Syrian Phoenicia with a daughter possessed by an unclean spirit. In every way she was to a good Jew, yuck, 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 yuck. And as for religious qualifications, she had none. Exactly the sort of person the Pharisees would have looked down on in morally superior disgust. The fact that Jesus was even willing to engage with this woman in serious conversation shows how he didn't care one bit for the social taboos of his day. When it came to reaching people, he would do it. But more than that, we're going to see in the next few verses that this woman even receives Jesus' favor. In the first half of the chapter, Jesus has called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hypocrites, his disciples dull, but to this woman, he will end up saying, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. He commends her. In a highly male-dominated, status-observing society, that is astonishing. And it's hugely good news at the heart of the gospel, because if this woman can come, anyone can come. If this woman can receive Jesus' help, anyone can receive Jesus' help. 
A number of years ago now, uh, in another church, I noticed um, a lady uh, that I knew called Valerie, who had been a member of the church for years. Um, She began week after week not coming up to communion, which is a bit unusual because she used to. And so I asked someone else, why isn't she coming up to communion anymore? And it happens that they, they had asked her the same question. And she had said to them, she said to them, quote, I don't feel worthy. How sad is that? The whole point is you're not worthy. <laughs> That's why we go up with empty hands, not to offer something that makes us worthy, but to receive something we don't deserve. Think how sad it would have been if this woman had stayed away because she thought she was too dirty for Jesus. He won't have any time for someone like me. Yeah, he will. Whoever you are, whatever your background, whatever your past, whatever your present, there is nothing that needs stop you coming to Jesus and receiving his favor. There is nothing that can make you too dirty to come to Jesus. There is no one who, if they came to Jesus, he would say, "Uh, no, I didn't mean you. Jesus favors anyone. Anyone can receive Jesus' favor, but not everyone does. Who does? Anyone who comes to him in humble faith. This is the second point on the handout if you're following along there. Look down at verse 26. We've read that this woman came and fell at Jesus' feet, and then in the second half of verse 26, it says of her, she begs Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. You see, clearly she has faith in Jesus, that's why she came, and it's clearly humble faith because she fell at his feet and begged. But Jesus' response to her in verse 27 is, to begin with, confusing and surprising, maybe even shocking. Look what he says there in verse 27. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. The Jews insultingly referred to the Gentiles as dogs. And so what Jesus says here is, on the face of it, extremely offensive, even racist. The children are the Jews, and the dogs are the Gentiles. And what Jesus is saying here is, I'm here to help the Jews first, then the Gentiles. Wait your turn. Wow. What's going on here? Is Jesus being racist? No. Is he having an off day? Well, no. He didn't have an off day. To understand what's going on, we first need to see that there is some truth in what Jesus says here. And then we need to see why he's saying it in such offensive language. First, this order that Jesus is describing of the Jews and then the Gentiles is a real one. Jesus really did go to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. But notice Jesus said, first let the children eat because he was always going to go to the Gentiles as well. Jesus wanted to reach the Jews, the nation of Israel, with the gospel first, in order that he could then take the good news to the world. The Jews weren't his mission, they were his strategy. His mission was to reach the world. Reaching the Jews was his strategy for doing that. It was the Jews first, but always with the intention of reaching the Gentiles. We see this really clearly in Matthew's gospel, where in chapter 10, Jesus sends the disciples out on a little kind of mini mission trip. And he he explicitly says to them, don't go to the Gentiles, go just to the Jews. But then at the end of the book, Matthew chapter 28, he sends them out and tells them to go to all nations, you see? It's the Jews, and then it's all nations, Jesus was the Messiah to the Jews, but for the world. 
not because the Jews were more deserving than the Gentiles, but because they were his strategy to reach the world. So the general point that Jesus is making is a true one. But why did he choose to say it in such offensive language? Why not just say Jews and Gentiles rather than children and dogs? Well, two reasons. First, Jesus was playing the Pharisee. He was playing the Pharisee. You see, if a self-righteous religious type was reading through Mark's gospel and read here what Jesus said, they'd be punching the air. They'd be going, yeah, that's right, Jesus, stick it to her. Who does she think she is coming to you? Put her in her place. The Jews first and then the Gentiles. Get back in line, lady. He sets up the argument, you see, because he wants her to knock it down in the plain sight of all who read about this encounter. And secondly, he uses this language because he wants us to see the quality of this woman's faith. That she wasn't going to react in angry indignation at being demeaned, nor was she going to be put off and slink away defeated. She had faith enough to come back to Jesus, not with a proud, argumentative retort, but in humble, persistent faith. Verse 27, Jesus said, First let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And her reply, and this is the reply that won her Jesus' favor. Verse 28, Yes, Lord, she replied, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What a reply! She shows this woman in that one line that she is grasping who Jesus is, the Messiah to the Jews, yes, but for the world, that he was her Messiah too. Yes, Lord, she replies, I get that you're going first to the Jews, but I believe that your blessings spill down from the children's table to Gentiles like me. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. What a line, a brilliant reply. When this woman came to Jesus, he could have just looked into her heart seen her faith, healed her daughter, and sent her on her way. But instead, he engineers this conversation to show us the quality of this woman's understanding and faith. Far from demeaning her, he wants to hold up her jewel in the light, her faith like a jewel in the light for all to see and marvel at. And so he makes this provocative statement in order to invite her faith-displaying reply It's like he throws her an easy ball and he's willing her to hit it for six. And to his delight, that's exactly what she does and it's supposed to win our applause. And in showing this woman's faith, Mark's comparing her with those we might have thought better than her. In the first half of chapter seven, the religious Pharisees, Jesus called hypocrites. His disciples, he called dull. But now this Greek, pagan, Gentile woman with a daughter possessed by an unclean spirit, he praises. Why? Because she came to him in humble faith. That's it. For all the pride and dullness of those Jewish men, it's this Gentile woman who sees clearly and responds rightly. She understands who Jesus is, that he was her Messiah too. She understands what he's like, full of mercy and kindness. She understands what he requires to come to him in humble faith. And so she wins his favor. Look at verse 29. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. We probably all had that experience at some point that you're doing some work in the garage or in the garden and you get your your hands really dirty and you have to kind of get your way inside to the sink and you're using your elbow on the door handles to get through because you don't want to touch anything. And you get to the sink, you fill it with water, soap on your hands, you wash off all the dirt and then pull the plug 
and you watch all the dirty water just drain away down the plug hole and gone. Jesus came so that all of our sin, all of our spiritual dirtiness could be washed away and down the drain and gone. And as he died on the cross, that is where all of our dirty sin, all that makes us spiritually unclean, is washed away and taken away and gone. This woman came dirty. She left clean. What did this woman get so right? It's this. She didn't come because she thought she was worthy of Jesus' help. But neither did she stay away because she thought she was unworthy. She came knowing her unworthiness, but trusting in Jesus' kindness and mercy nonetheless. That's what we each must do. Friends, Jesus' concern isn't the external works of our hands, but the internal condition of our hearts. Of course he does care what we do, but only in so much as it reveals the condition of our hearts. The heart's the issue. So I want to ask you each this morning to inspect your heart. Seriously. What is the condition of your heart towards Jesus this morning? We all need to think about it honestly because often religious people have hearts so hard they can no longer know themselves. Hearts so hard they can no longer see their real condition. And so the words of Jesus just bounce off. When he describes our hearts as unclean and full of evil, the words just bounce off. Is that the condition of your heart this morning? Do you hear Jesus' description of your heart in verses 20 to 23? What comes out of a man makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Do you hear that and think, no, that's not me. I've got my faults, sure, but I'm basically good. If that's how you feel, or if there's any remainder of that thinking in you, and if we're honest, for most of us there probably is, then we need to remember this is an issue of whether we believe Jesus and what he says about us, or think we know better. Jesus knows us. He says our hearts are unclean, and our good works don't change that. If any of us comes to Jesus thinking we're worthy of him, we won't find his favor or receive his forgiveness or be called his friends. It'll be like turning over the page at the end of the exam to find we've lived our whole lives without ever understanding what God required of us. But if you're here this morning and you're convicted of the uncleanness of your heart, your sin, if you hear Jesus' words and think, yeah, that is me, don't make the mistake of not coming to Jesus because you feel unworthy. The big question that the whole of the scriptures answer is this. It's how can unclean, impure people have a relationship with a pure and holy God? And the answer is Jesus makes the dirty clean. And if we come in humble faith, we'll find his favor. Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news? On the other side of the exam paper, there aren't more rules that need to be kept, but a simple call to humble faith. If you aren't a Christian, that's all he wants from you. 
If you are a Christian, that's all he wants from you. To trust him, to believe his words. Just come with empty hands and humble hearts to Jesus and you'll know his favor. He favors anyone who comes to him in humble faith. Don't come to Jesus because you think you're worthy, but don't stay away because you know you're not. Come to him like this dear woman. Fall at his feet. See that he is your Messiah too and cling to him in humble faith and he will pour out his favor on you. Let's pray. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Foul to the, to the fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. Amen.